but there's a a tough stretch we went over for all the next month. Uh, and I think this is where we're really going to see um, where this team stands as, to, as far as um, future playoff contention. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Two On, Two Out, a Phillies podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Bob. Bob, how the heck are you today? Like our Phillies, I'm average. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Since the last time we spoke, the Phillies uh, went 3-3, three and three, 500 uh, in these two road series, which is average. Um, but you know what? For the Phillies... That is uh, a major improvement on the road, um, you know, compared to what we've seen in the last few years. We've talked about it before multiple times in our discussions. They don't play well on the road. So um, I think we both agreed last week that, you know, to see them take three out of six in these first two, um, out of these first two series would be a win in our books. Um, it kind of stings a little bit with, you know, the way today's game went. You know, you had a chance to to pull out a sweep. but. Um, yeah, three and three I'll take. Um, and if we rewind back to last Friday night, it uh, things got rolling and looking like it may be the sort of a you know a even better trip. Uh, Phillies routed the Braves a twelve to two victory in that Friday night game. The first, I believe, the first um, completely sold out Major League Baseball game since uh, what the twenty nineteen World Series. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, that it was it's pretty neat, you know. Uh, you know, seeing the f- crowd back like that, and I think the Phillies just announced that it was June twelfth when the Yankees are in town, they're going to be opening up to full capacity as well. So we're getting back to some normalcy here. Um, this game was not exactly normal. In fact, this whole series was not very normal. But uh, starting in this first one, the Phillies had a six-run first inning against Charlie Morton um, and the Braves. Alec Bohm had an RBI single. Gene Segura returns to the lineup uh, with a with a two RBI single of his um, for himself, and then Odubel Herrera a three run home run to cap off that six run first inning. Uh, Charlie Ma- Charlie Morton would leave after just after recording just two outs, so uh, really off to a great start for the Phillies in that one. Um, in addition to Segura uh, returning to the lineup, we saw Bryce Harper come back from his uh, from his wrist inflammation. Um, the rest of that game, Andrew McCutcheon would collect a couple of RBIs. Alec Boom would uh, would end the day with two, and JT Romuto would hit a two-run home run in the eighth inning. Zach Eflin goes six and two-thirds, uh, ninety-nine pitches. And I remember when he got pulled, it was a little odd um, to see Girardi take him out so quickly. You know, you thought for sure he could get through seven there. Um, wasn't really laboring, you know. The, the Braves uh, would only get two runs uh, that whole game. You know, both coming off of Eflin, he had eight strikeouts. But uh, Girardi decides to go to the bullpen. He brings out Connor Brogdon to get the last out of the inning, and David Hale uh, throws two innings to to close things out. Uh, the two of them combined for no hits, no walks, and two strikeouts. Uh, so a good opening for a series. I don't think you can ask uh, for much more than a ten run win. What were you thinking after after that first game, Bob? Uh, I was thinking this could be a start of a very good road trip. Um, coming into the series, I know uh, Freeman was on a 
just a horrible cold streak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it would be a pretty good time to take advantage of that. Um, but alas, the next two games did not go our way. No. And um, so Saturday's game, another night game down in Atlanta. Uh, Phillies end up losing this one 8-7, to seven, and that, that score I don't think does justice to what, what went on here. So we uh, we jump into the first inning. Gene Segura hits a solo home run, and that was a line drive that cleared the wall by about a foot down in left field. It was, uh, um, I mean, nice to see, but it, it was a cheapie for sure. Um, Alec Bone would, have, would collect an RBI uh, in the first inning as well. Uh, so once again, Phillies uh, get off to an early lead. They led it 2 nothing after the first. Uh, and then Andrew McCutcheon would collect an RBI single in the second inning. So then the Phillies are up 3 nothing. Um, you know, with Vince Velasquez on the mound, you know, you felt, you felt pretty good. You know, Velasquez has been on a, on a good streak of pitching and, um, you know, three runs, three runs, at least for the start of a game, you know, felt pretty good. You figured you'd pick up a couple more as the game went on. Velasquez would go five and a third innings, allow just one earned run, uh, with three walks and six strikeouts. Uh, so we can actually fast forward to the bottom of the ninth. Phillies had a three, one lead. Uh, they did not score anymore, um, like you kind of would hope a team would after taking an early lead like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Hector Neris come in, uh, try to get the save with the two-run lead, and he does get the first two batters to go down pretty easily. Uh, then he gives up a two, two-out walk, and I think everyone in that stadium knew who was coming up next. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval, uh, steps up. And like everyone predicted, he rushes a two-run home run into right center field absolutely obliterated and it tied the game up uh hector remained in the game would give up another walk but then uh collected the final out to send this into extra innings mm-hmm. yeah now, so go ahead no no i i was watching this i watched all the games except for today because i was at work but i felt that i don't know if you felt the same way that uh, Hector could have been more aggressive uh, in that uh, bottom of the ninth, uh, especially before Sandoval got to the plate. Uh, he loses uh, was it Adrian Adrian Adrianza Adrianza. I always yeah. can't pronounce his name. Um, I felt he was a little. I don't know if it was Naris or if it was JT's call or came from the bench, but I just I felt like he could have challenged him a bit more in that bat. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and. You know, I don't know how you thought about the way the inning went before Pablo came up to the plate. Well, yeah, especially knowing that, like I said, you had the pitcher. I believe it was the pitcher spot up next. Um, everyone in that stadium and watching the game knew Pablo was going to be up next. You have a guy up there not hitting well. Um, challenge him. Who cares? Even if he hits a home run, who cares? You still have the lead, and you know, then you go after Pablo as you, you know, however you're going to go after him, but. This guy at the plate, for all intents and purposes, doesn't matter. You know, again, he scores. You still have the lead. You can still win the game. So I agree. You know, a, a relatively—I don't want to call a weak hitter, but you know, not a guy not hitting his best. And yeah, you know, give him something to hit. You know, let him put it in play. Let your defense handle it behind you, and and then you win. Yeah, and then and then another question is: uh, Would you have, considering we talked about Freeman came into the series with a just a bad cold streak? He had a he had a uh, decent game the day before, but would you have considered um, just trying to go 
after Freeman and and skipping over pa- uh, Pablo? I get it, but track record wise, Freeman, you know, coming off his MVP season, yes, going a cold streak, but uh, he just has a a more recent track record of performing well. Whereas, yes, Pablo, you know, late inning, he's becoming essentially a Matt Stairs guy, where he comes in, you know, late inning and pops a home run and you know gets you either tied or into the lead. And um, but. I feel and, and just, just a correction. I, I said Freeman had a good game. It was the Sunday game where he ended his uh, hit list streak. Right. Well, um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. Either way, uh, just Freeman again coming off of well, I mean, every season he has a great season. Every season he com- he competes for the MVP. You know, he finally won it last year, uh, albeit in a shortened season. But yeah, I I would much rather see Neris face Pablo. And um, you know, it's I'm glad you brought up you know questioning the pitch calls because then in the Sandoval at bat, um, I think the ball that he hit for a home run was a meatball fastball, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hector's bread and butter is, is that disgusting slot, um, splitter. So, uh, I just, it seems to be, seem to be a poor call and poor execution. Um, I think the blame probably could go on Hector, could go on JT, and may even go to the bench. You're right. You know, I, we don't not going to know who made that call, but yeah, I, it's funny. I, I thought the the pitch call should have been reversed. I thought it should have been more fastballs to Adrianza and more right. uh, splitters to Pablo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to catch Adrianza off guard or you know what, what was going on there, but yeah, I I, I think you you yeah, I, I think the real culprit was not being more aggressive with Adrianza and um, trying to get him out uh, again, because we all knew we all knew Paolo was coming out and what he was capable mm-hmm. of, but we had a chance uh, in extra innings and uh, Andrew, what tell we how that went? Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, top of the 10th Phillies failed to score that runner from second, the, the Manfred runner, if you want to call him that with a um, just ugly rule of starting the runner at second in extra innings. So we go into the bottom of the 10th, um, First batter grounds out to uh, to second base. Um, we have, I believe it was Coonrod in the game at this point. Um, so it ground out, but it gets the runner over to third. So then we see two intentional walks to load the bases. And then we get the infamous five-man infield. Bryce Harper um, comes in and collects the infielder's glove. And we have five guys on the infield uh, looking to, uh, you know, to, to keep the ball from hitting the outfield and, and getting the play at the plate. And that's exactly what happens. We get a ground out to third base, um, throw home and, uh, you know, uh, stop the run from scoring. So then with two outs, go back to the conventional defense uh, and we get a strikeout to end it. So then we head to the 11th inning. In the 11th, Mr. Nick Maton uh, comes into the game and collects himself an RBI double. Um, so Phillies have, I believe at that point, it's a 4-3 to three lead going into the bottom of the 11th. And immediately, the first play in the 11th was uh, D.D. Gregorius uh, committing an error on his throw to first. And the game is tied back up at 4. Braves can't score again. Mm-hmm. So, even with the uh, runner at second rule, we're now going to the 12th inning. Um, the Phillies end up getting the bases loaded. And Bryce Harper would uh, chop the ball back to um, Webb. I can't remember his first name at this point, but the brave, brave pitcher Webb uh, goes to throw home, and it gets past the catcher, 
And when he does it, the pitcher does not cover home plate. So not only does the runner from third score, but the runner from second scored as well because there was no one to cover home plate. So on that error, the Phillies managed to score two. JT Romuto comes up and hits an RBI single. Phillies are up three, and they win the game. Except in the bottom of the 12th, uh, we see Enya, uh, De Los Santos come in. And, uh, well, he doesn't record an out. He allows a walk, a single, a double, a sacrifice bunt, and I think either at that point of the bunt or perhaps before it, Matt Moore comes to the game uh, and gives up an RBI single, and the Braves win, not recording it out in the bottom of the 12th, scoring four runs. Ugly, ugly game, and it really... You just have those games where it, where it gets to that point, and it's like, losing this hurts worse than a normal loss, and... Uh, yeah, that one stung. Now, and, and um, there was actually a point earlier in the game that uh, I was probably the most bad. Um, it was the top of the fifth. Um, uh, Kutch had singled. Segura had singled. Uh, and Kutch had made it to third on Segura's single. And then the next batter up was Bryce Harper with on a first pitch, low and outside, way out of the zone, change up. He comes into a double play, and then JT strikes out the next at-bat. I just thought that was a horrible uh, at-bat by Bryce just to take the first pitch, which was a really bad change-up that you can't do anything with, and just roll it over into a ground ball uh, double play. That yeah. That made me really mad. Yeah, and there's been a few times, particularly in the last couple of series, you know, we talked uh, before about how, how hot Bryce is sort of this season. He's still playing well. I mean, he, you know, his numbers haven't fallen off completely. You know, he's still at the top of a lot of, or near the top in a lot of categories. But there seems to have been, seems to have been a lot of those clutch situations where he hasn't been as clutch as, he, as, he, as he's known to be and can be. Um, you know, some double play balls, some strikeouts in high leverage situations. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, you know, you would expect a guy of his caliber to, at the very least, uh, get the run home, or I shouldn't say get the run home, but, uh, get the runners over and, um, you know, anything but a double play really in that situation. And, um, you know, unfortunately he didn't, I, I understand the frustration. I don't think I'm too upset with him because he's come through so many times before, but, uh, I think it's a good, I think it's a good good thing to bring up that um you know we 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 know that he he will have his flaws and have his moments that frustrate you but um it all balances out just like the force <laughs> uh so, so we go we head off into sunday's game uh, another espn game their second second straight time on national tv uh perfect time for them to lay a goose egg well i guess not exactly a goose egg they did score one Andrew McCutcheon let off the game with a home run. So in all three games of that Braves series, the Phillies scored first in their half of the the top half of the first inning. Uh, but the final score in that one would see the Braves scoring six and the Phillies not scoring past that leadoff home run. Uh, Nola, after that after that uh, one run lead, gives up four runs to uh, the Braves. Uh, I know one of those runs came off of the bat of Freddie Freeman, and also a home run to Dansby Swanson. Uh, Nola's final line that game, four innings pitched, five earned runs, and just 58 pitches. He just, uh, I don't know if word ever came out about, um, you know, what was going on that game. Just, just gassed or just, um, just not on his game, um, in that one. And, 
Um, you know, disappointing to see in general, you know, for a NOLA game, but, you know, when you're on a national spotlight like that, you tend to hope that your your big guns come out there and um, and really, really shine. But wasn't meant to be that game. Uh, we did see Ranger Suarez and Matt Moore combined for four innings pitched uh, with a single earned run scored. Suarez had three Ks in his appearance. So uh, good showing by both of them. You know, it's it's it, got to point out, you know, when these little things happen like that. And, you know, they, they managed to shut down the Braves offense for the rest of the game. So the Phillies dropped two out of three in that brave series again. Um, Bob, I can't tell you enough how much I hate when the Phillies go and play in Atlanta because there just always seems to be at least one wild game like that. You know, you have the Saturday night 12 inning loss. Uh, you go back to the previous series. You had the game where, uh, you know, Phillies were on the verge of being swept. And then you get to play to plate with Alec Bohm, who still has not touched home plate as Braves fans. I'll tell you. Um, but the Phillies sneak out with that one. So um, two and four in Atlanta so far this year. Uh, so one series left, I think. I don't think uh, off the top of my head, I don't believe they see the Braves for a little while, unless there's one more series. This is Bank Park before. I think they go to San Francisco. And then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, much like uh, I need when I talk about the Phillies going to San Francisco, the Phillies had off on Monday before they started a three-game series with the Nationals in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. Phillies came away with the win in the opening game, uh, 6-2 to the final. In the first inning, Bryce Harper still getting those boos from Nationals fans. I'm assuming he'll get them for the rest of his career. Yeah, yeah, because it seemed to hype him up. He hits a a monster home run in the first inning, somewhere in the neighborhood of 440 feet. And that would make it four straight games that the Phillies scored uh, in their half of the first inning. Reese Hoskins would have uh, an RBI single on this one. Andrew McCutcheon a sacrifice fly. Um, so the Phillies uh, with a 3-0 lead. In the sixth, uh, with Chase Anderson on the mound, uh, Trey Turner hits a leadoff home run in that inning. Uh, later, Kyle Schwarber would collect an RBI single, and things got a little dicey there, but uh, they escaped the inning with a 3-2 lead. Uh, in the eighth, Alec Bohm comes up big with, a, with an RBI double. And Andrew Knapp comes into the game after JT uh, took a foul ball off the knee. Uh, we haven't seen him since, and now he's on the uh, COVID-restricted list. So might be a little while. Well, it's not too long, but maybe another day or two before we see JT back with the yeah, team. Yeah, I, I saw day-to-day, and I saw the uh, COVID was not because of a positive test. So that's good news. Yes, very good news. Uh, but in the meantime, Andrew Knapp comes in. He collects the two RBI singles. So um, it's almost like JT never left uh, with the bat of uh, Andrew Knapp. Uh, and that would be it. Phillies, uh, again, win that one 6-2. Uh, Sam Coonrod, Brandon Kinsler, Jose Alvarado, Connor Brogdon, and Hector Neris all combined for four innings with no runs allowed. Chase Anderson's uh, line in that one, five innings pitched, two earned runs allowed, and five strikeouts. So a pretty... Um, Pretty uneventful uh, win. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. kind of wins that don't cause too much stress, um, other than maybe in that sixth inning, but um, nothing too yeah. crazy in that one. Yeah, and I think uh, Bryce, since he's become a Philly, is tied with, I think, he's either tied or one ahead of Acuna for most home runs against the Nationals since that time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there is something, you, you know, you said bring it on about the booze. He, he does seem to feed off that energy, man. He, uh, he takes it in stride and and 
You know, I remember when 2019, his first series there, he collected like three home runs that first series. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he definitely seems to be, uh, seems to be taking it in stride and, 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 um, you know, boosting his own play. Now, before we that, get to the next game, yes. I, I just want to ask you a quick question. Mm-hmm. So far, we've seen, uh, you know, we saw Chase Anderson in this game. Uh, he didn't, uh, yet again, he did not make it um, out of the sixth. He only pitched five innings, uh, five plus. And you had earlier in the Atlanta series, he had uh, Vince Velasquez, who's now replaced uh, more in the rotation with five and a third. Um, when does the back end of the rotation not giving you at least six innings a game uh, going to hurt you? Well, right now, I all right. So to answer the question, it'll really start to hurt if and when uh, you know we we've, we've seen the first three guys in Nola, Wheeler, and Eflin. Um, I think they're averaging close to seven innings a start. But once that average starts coming down, if and when, that's when it's going to start to hurt you. Because right now. You know, with Velasquez and Chase Anderson, they don't go back to back. You know, they're they're spread out in their days, so you know, you know you're going to need the bullpen for a few innings in those games, and then uh, you hope that Nola Wheeler, Eflin can all go pretty deep, and you don't have to use the bullpen as much. But yes, to answer your question, when those top three are struggling and can't get you know through the sixth and seventh innings, then then it really starts to bite you and. You know, again, right now this team is still competing for first place. They're game and half behind the Mets as we speak. So if you and the you being leadership, you know, Dave Dombrowski, uh, John Middleton, if you expect this team to continue to compete, uh, you're probably going to need to make a move for somebody who can, yeah, last six innings and uh, make it so there isn't as much stress in your bullpen. Um, yeah, because the third uh, time in, in a row, the third time through a lineup, uh, Chase seems to struggle mightily. Yeah, uh, it was funny watching the the broadcast. Uh, Kruk and uh, McCarthy talking about how good of a start he's had, uh, and then uh, I believe it was the first pitch. Yes, uh, yes. To Trey Turner. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, that all ended. Um, well, not not ended. It, it didn't lose that game, obviously, but um, it was just uh, funny how that worked. Now, uh, as we're talking here, an interesting idea came to my head, and I, I'm curious what you think about it. Um, if if they do decide to trade for someone, sign a free agent, whatever they do, if they do, to bring in another starter, how do you feel about the idea of every fifth game almost being guaranteed a an Anderson Velasquez, you know, combo where one of them starts and the other one, you know, one of them starts for four innings. The other one goes another three or four innings because would be completely fine with that. Yeah. Because I think, I think both guys, I don't have the stats to back myself up here, but like you mentioned, both guys, when they get to the third time through the lineup, it just, that's when things start to really fall off. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let both guys, even if both guys are going, you know, three plus, you know, you would hope at least four, yeah, that's that's eating up a good chunk of the game, and then you know you can let the elite, well, you can let your best guys come out of the bullpen and, and close things out. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I I'm glad you agree. If they can get a starter to replace one of those spots, uh, and then piecemeal, you know, the fifth starter with with that, that's a good idea. Uh, even Matt Moore, since going to the bullpen, has so far um, mm-hmm. been better. 
Um, yeah, I would be totally down for a Zimmerman. Uh, not not Zimmerman. I'm watching replays of the game today <laughs> of a uh, Velasquez uh, Anderson. Uh, you know, sort of piecemeal through five, six, or six, hopefully seven innings, uh, and then get to the back end of your bullpen. I'll be fine with that. So we go ahead to Wednesday's game. Uh, once again, the Phillies come away with a victory, and it's the first road series victory since 2019. Uh, they take this one five to two. Andrew Knapp, once again, filling in for JT Romuto, collects an RBI single in the second inning. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Uh, gets a start in this one. He goes six innings, eight hits allowed, um, two earned runs. And I'm going to mention, uh, there's a reason I emphasize earned there. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, seven strikeouts, 98 pitches. Uh, so the reason I emphasized earned there, so the sixth inning, uh, we saw Starling Castro with an RBI single. Okay, you know, run scores there. Uh, then Alex Avila comes up and hits a quote-unquote RBI triple out to right field. Uh, Bob, why don't you uh, why don't you explain what happened on this uh, on this fly ball out there? Yeah, Alex Vera comes up, and first of all, uh, we were left a pitch a little, you know, in the zone uh, for Vera to hit, and he just lifts one out to right field. And watching the play, I it was weird because I thought like, okay, one of two people have got it, either Herrera or Harper, and then. Uh, the longer it was in the air, the less they ha- had it. <laughs> and then it just fell in between them. And then it became a three students routine where mm-hmm. they ran into each other, then got up and then both ran after the ball. And then I believe Harper picked the ball up and threw it back into, into the infield. But it was just very odd for two normally shorthanded uh, fielders to just not know, A, where it was, and B, none of them took charge. Yeah, well, uh, it, it just off the bat seemed odd. So uh, I don't have the replay in front of me, but from what I remember, Harper made it look like it was gone. He kind of didn't make a play at it at first. He, he was running at it as if he expected it to go over, or at the least off the top of the wall. Um, and then they both kind of realized, oh, you know, we might be able to get this. Um, and I do think at that point, uh, that that's the center fielder's ball to call, um, you know, to say whether or not he can get it because both both of them were able to get it. So I do think Oduwo probably should have been you know in charge there and calling it. Uh, but yeah, they both they both messed up. And then yeah, it was it was odd that it landed and then they ran into each other. Just a a very strange play. And uh, I guess the reason it's called a triple and not an error is because it. Who do you give the error to? I guess is the only explanation. Yeah, it didn't um, go anybody's glove. It just fell in between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the replay now, it, it, that was more, in my opinion, more Harper's ball. Uh, okay. Like I said, he, he kind of almost gave up on it. Uh, I guess, yeah, I think he thought it was either going to be out of the ballpark or at least off the wall. So he was trying to play off the carom. Um, and then, could you see it at, at the last second, you see Herrera just like do a last second sprint. And then that's where I think Bryce thinks, oh, Dubois got this. And so he lets up. And then uh, Herrera thinks Harper, Harper has it. And so he lets up at the end of his sprint. And then it just falls in the middle. And then they <laughs> run right into each other. Yeah. Yeah, just just very odd overall. And it felt like as soon as that happened, it was like, oh, no. And, you know, they lost the lead. And then you just thought, 
it, it to me at least it felt like all momentum was sucked out of the game and it was like well here we go again another loss and then you know we go into a a rubber game on Thursday. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like a bad inning because you know earlier in the inning, um, you know we were whose slider was working very effectively throughout the game. He left the slider uh, up to Zimmerman, who uh, hits the ball perfectly to left center yeah. with a, a double shader to the right, uh, and then Castro comes up and he gets a nice pitch left in the zone and he scores uh, Zimmerman, and then Avila comes up. So just the whole inning felt like all right. Here's where the wheels fall off, and you know we will probably have to fight back in this one, or might lose this one, and like I said, have to pick up a win in Game Three. Well, credit to Zach Wheeler because he he finishes that inning without allowing another run, um, so it remains two one uh, into the ninth inning. Um, Brad ha- Brad Hand comes in the closer for the uh, Nationals, and I think I heard that before uh, he blew a game a couple days before this before this game. Uh, but previous to that, he had recorded 24 or 25 uh, straight saves. So uh, pretty efficient, you know, pretty good closer. Uh, but in this one, he gives up a tying uh, solo home run to Adubel Herrera in that top of the ninth inning. Uh, so it's a 2-2 game. Going into the bottom of the ninth, Jose Alvarado comes in. Uh, he would allow a double to Trey Turner. And at that point, you're thinking, well, with that speed, you know, any type of hit is going to is going to score him and the game is over. Um, they end up giving an intentional walk to Juan Soto, which brings up Ryan Zimmerman, who uh, I remember the stat uh, he had in his career has 15 walk off hits. Uh, and his most recent one had to come against the Phillies. It just I mean, Zimmerman, well, by nature of being in the division, but yeah, he just always seems to be a Philly killer. And at that point, I was like, well, you know, here we go with something crazy. Uh, but Zimmerman tur- uh, hits the ball out to short, and it's an inning-ending double play. Once again, sending the Phillies uh, into extras for the second time on this road trip. In the top of the 10th, we see an RBI single by Reese Hoskins. Uh, Nick Maton would get one of his own, as would Andrew Knapp. So... Um, you know, the, the Phillies uh, score three in the top of the 10th. Worth noting, Nick Maton is in the game uh, because Didi had left earlier on with some tightness in his elbow. Um, he didn't play in Thursday's game either. Uh, I didn't heard anything about him hitting the DL, so it may just be a little bit of rest for him. Uh, you know, you, you hope to see him back. As, as well as Nick Maton has played, you know, he's cooled off a bit, but uh, I think you would rather see Didi in there right now. Uh, and then in the the bottom of the 10th, uh, Naris is able to close things out pretty cleanly. Um, and the Phillies come away with the win in game two, uh, 5-2 win. <clears throat> so that sends us into Thursday's afternoon game uh, with a chance uh, for the Phillies to sweep uh, on the road, uh, which would be the first time, I wish I had the number in front of me, but the first time in quite a while. Um mm-hmm. So the first inning started off well. Uh, Phillies once again scoring in the first uh, on a double steal, which is not something you see uh, often at all. Often at all. But uh, Tom McCarthy and John Crook talked on the podcast about it being something that they believe the Phillies have scouted uh, Patrick Corbin about, uh, where you, know, you got guys on first. They had uh, Harper on first and Andrew McCutcheon on third. And uh, with Corbin being a left-hander, he's got his back to the runner on third. Um, So Bryce makes the first break towards second base to steal. 
Gorman throws over. Meantime, Andrew McCutcheon is taking off from third. Um, and on a bad throw from Josh Bell to home, uh, McCutcheon, with a great slide, is able to evade the tag. And the Phillies score their first run on a on a steal of home, which uh, you know is is always exciting. Uh, it would have been more exciting if the Phillies had scored more, uh, but that would be their lone run of the day. Nationals take this one five to one. Uh, they scored early as well in their half of the first inning. Kyle Schwarber and uh, Josh Bell would both hit uh, two run home runs to give them a four to one lead. Um, they'd collect another run later. Uh, that brings Zach Eflin's closing line of the day to six innings pitched, uh, seven hits, five earned runs, nine strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, worth noting, Eniel De Los Santos and Matt Moore both came into the game, both throwing for one inning and collecting one strikeout. So as you mentioned, Matt Moore has looked pretty pretty okay coming out of the bullpen. You know, um, not lights out or anything, but but serviceable. And uh, De Los Santos kind of gets some uh, some retribution after his ugly game. Uh, in Atlanta. So after these first six games of the road trip against two divisional opponents, yes, the Phillies go three and three, which again um, is good for for uh, being on the road. Uh, and they've got three more games left on this road trip before they return home. But um, Bob, any uh, closing thoughts on these uh, on these two divisional uh, divisional series? Uh, well, I mean, so far early in the year, they're. They're not hurting themselves too bad. They're staying in it. Uh, only a game and a half back, like you said. Um, so, I mean, pace yourselves. You know, it's a long season, but uh, so far they are keeping themselves in it. Uh, and that's all you really can ask for. Uh, as far as DD, looks like uh, DD could be out uh, possibly a few days. Uh, does not expect to be put on the IL as of right now. So that's good news. Um, also, I believe this week was um, Archie had a one, two, three inning in his rehab start. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, no more news for him. So looks like we can see him possibly back either in Toronto or when the uh, Phils come back to Philadelphia to play the Marlins next week. Yeah, that would be a huge boost to the bullpen. You would think at that point uh, we'd probably see De Los Santos go back down to AAA. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how the next few games play out. Uh, right now, as we speak, the Mets are in the first place in the division. They have a game and a half lead over the Phillies. They've won seven straight. Uh, they were eleven and thirteen. Uh, they are now eighteen and thirteen, uh, eight and two in their last ten games. Phillies are seven and three in their last ten games. So uh, they're keeping up. You know, it's um, it's going to be. We've said it. It's going to be close all year. Uh, can't count the Braves out, you know, even at four games back. Marlins are only four and a half back, and Washington five back. So, yet again, no one in this division particularly pulling uh, too far ahead. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll see the Mets and Phillies come back down towards these other teams, uh, and these other teams go on streaks of their own mm-hmm. um, as they continue to, to play each other. Um, and, yeah, so it'll be... Uh, I would say fun to watch, but it might be more stressful than anything else. Yeah, um, I'm actually uh, very interested to watch this next series, um, just because I am very intrigued by Toronto. Uh, a lot of uh, young talent, uh, some second-generation uh, baseball players uh, on the, the ball club. And we're probably running into um, Vladdy Jr. At, at the right time. Over his last seven games, he's only batting 172 with one home run. 
so let's hope he's cold for at least three more days. Yeah, uh, I agree with you to an extent. Uh, you know, you you like to see a, a guy with a lot of potential like that to to be on the uh, on the downslide. However, they just um, Blue Jays are coming off a sweep of the Braves mm-hmm. uh, today. They scored four in the top of the uh, ninth inning, and um, you know it it it's going to be a challenge. You know, you're going to play away. Uh, granted, it's not in Toronto. The game will be in Dunedin, which uh, the Phillies have a lot of experience in. You know, they they played in uh, in the Blue Jays Park down there plenty of times. Yeah, not um, too far. Only a few miles away from uh, where they have spring training. Yep, yep. Uh, so this series, we'll see Vince Velasquez get the start in Game 1, Aaron Nola in Game 2, and then Chase Anderson in Game 3. So uh, two out of three games are not being started by your top three. So um, it could get interesting. You know, we'll... Um, uh, when the Phillies played Toronto last year in Buffalo, we had some uh, some interesting games as well. I I believe that was when the Phillies put out to an early seven run lead, eight run lead, and uh, would end up giving it up and losing the, that game. So, um, I think it'll be a true test to see how uh, how well the Phillies stack up. And I'm sure, much to your pleasure, they get a they'll have a DH for these three games. So uh, yes, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, t- uh, you know, tomorrow we're interested in. Uh, Vince Velasquez goes up against Steven Matz, who had a really good April. He was a 4 0 in April with a 2 3 1 ERA. Um, but uh, in May, hasn't been as effective. He's an ERA over 9 in May, has given up a lot of home runs. Um, so hopefully, the May version of Matz is what we see tomorrow. Um, no script starter yet announced. Um, against Noah on um, game two, for game two on the Saturday game, uh, but on Sunday it's uh, Chase Anderson and Robbie Ray. Uh, Robbie Ray, if uh, you watch his last game, which um, Andrew just said they came up, they're coming off a sweep of the Braves. Uh, Ray had a ten strikeout game mm-hmm. in his game, um, so that's gonna be fun. Uh, can't wait to. <laughs> Watch him strike out fourteen Phillies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think one thing um, maybe an advantage in that first game. Um, the Phillies have seen plenty of Stephen Matz in the fa- last few years with his mm-hmm. with his time with the Mets. So um, I have a feeling that at least that first game is going to be maybe a high scoring affair. Um, hopefully, it lands in the Phillies' favor. Um, and then after that that trip to Dunedin, Phillies will come back home. And to a little bit of a different ballpark, uh, starting with that Tuesday game, they're they off Monday, starting with that Tuesday game against the Marlins on May 18th, uh, capacity of the stadium jumps up to 50%, uh, and then a little bit down the line later, June 12th, uh, actually, I, I take that back, I believe the 50% capacity starts with the uh, with the series after the Marlins against the Red Sox, so. Yeah, I think, um, I think... I forget where I saw it. I think it might start with the last game of the Marlins series, but I don't okay. know. Definitely for for Boston uh, is where it's going to be at fifty percent. A little bit, a little bit higher capacity. But yes, after after Toronto, the Phillies come home to play the Marlins for the first time this season. Uh, looks like that's lining up to be Zach Wheeler, uh, Zach Eflin, and then Vince Velasquez in those three games. Um, yeah, so a couple of tough teams. One because it's a you know a team coming off a sweep of one of your division opponents. And then they always have tough series against the Marlins. So 
schedule doesn't seem to get much easier for the Phillies. Uh, I, you know, and I don't know when, if or when it'll ever be easy per se. Because um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. It's not going to be easy for quite a while. Um, you want another rundown for the next month? Yeah, let's hear them. All right, so uh, we play Toronto, who's coming off a sweep of the Braves. Then we go home for the Marlins. Like you said, always tough to play the Marlins. Then the Red Sox, always a tough series against the Red Sox. Uh, then we go to Miami, which uh, Andrew mm. loves when we go to Atlanta. I love when we go to Miami because <laughs> uh, it's never fun. Uh, then a day off, then a quick two-game series against the Rays. Uh, not that in be... Tampa? That is in Tampa. And then uh, they play the Reds, um, which that's not going to be super duper easy either. Uh, and the Red, Reds right now are sort of um, midland. They're like, I think, 500 team right now. But um, that central is really a division, sort of like the, uh, the East, where everybody is sort of beating up on each other. Then we come home uh, in, in, uh, in June. For the Nationals, the Braves, and the Yankees. Yeah, so no let up at all. Uh, And then after that, in mid-June, we go to where the pitching is great. And that is the NL West, uh, where every team has a run differential, I think, in the either the high 20s to the 40s. If you play the Dodgers. And then I guess we go... Next, Andrew, after we go to L.A. Is it San Francisco? It is San Francisco. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so uh, the next month does not look uh, very great. Um, it's going to be tough sledding, and, but I think we'll see what kind of team we have um, going forward. Um, we're playing teams that are uh, – you know, every, every, t- every team we're playing is uh, either – near the top of their division or is fighting and is only a few games back. Um, like I said, the, the Dodgers run differential is plus 40. That's crazy. Which is just absurd. Yeah. And guess what? They are the third place team in that division. <laughs> if only the, uh, if only they were playing the, the AL central, cause you've got, Can- Moly. Yeah, you got Kansas city, Detroit and Minnesota all, with run differentials, well, Minnesota minus 15, Kansas City minus 35, they lost 11 in a row, and Detroit minus 64, so... Yes, um, but the White Sox, a plus 66 run yeah, differential. Yeah, they've... Uh, White Sox definitely have something cooking out there, and uh, they and Cleveland seem like they're headed to uh, to a pretty good fight going, going the rest of the season. Uh, well, Bob, to close things out for this week's episode, I have a game for you. I have I love games. I have brought up some uh, some stats, and I guess if I'm going to have a name for this game, I, I'll call it "Let's Go Streaking" because it's uh, it's a couple of guys that are that are on some streaks, and uh, I think I think they're all worth mentioning, you know, for their in their own right. Uh, so I'll read you all some stats, and I want you to tell me if you uh, or I want you to take a guess at which Phillies player it is. And I will tell you there are no tricks; these are all. Currently active. I don't believe you. They are all currently active Phillies players. Uh, so this first player, uh, this is going back to May fifth. Uh, so that was around the middle of the Milwaukee series. 
this person is hitting 357 with a 424 on base percentage, striking out just 15% of the time. Uh, they have collected four walks and five RBIs uh, in these eight games. Bob, who is this player? Uh, and they played in all eight games? Yes. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to take a guess here because he has been walking uh, more, at least in my recollection, he has been walking more, which is good. It's something that he needs to do. I'm going to say that is Reese Hoskins. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. That was Odubel Herrera. Herrera has, um, you know, he's he's come up big in these games. You know, we we both have talked about, you know, our our feelings about Odubel Herrera the person. Uh, Odubel Herrera the player has been performing well these, um, you know, these last uh, what's it, like I said, eight games for the for the Phillies and um, coming up big in in a couple of situations. So um, you know, uh, perhaps they have found the center fielder that they've needed to. Um, to fill that void where they mm. you know, were getting no production. I know. I agree with the, uh, but the, uh, you know, I, I, I do think the stats are worth I, mentioning. I, yeah. I guess, I guess I just blocked Odubel out of my memory. <laughs> Rightfully so. All right. So this next uh, player, uh, hint, hint, it is a pitcher mm. in their last uh, 23 innings pitched. They have an ERA of over five. Uh, they are striking out just under 10 players per game, walking two. Uh, and are have given up four home runs and five walks. Uh, any guesses as to who this player is? Uh, by the way, this is going back to uh, April 24th. That was the series in Colorado. Okay. Um, so you said the ERA is where? Yeah, I'm sorry. I said that very out of order. Let me let, me let you know again. 23 innings pitched. Uh, mm-hmm. In that time, 25 strikeouts to five walks in the array of just over five at 5.09. Uh, 13 runs allowed, 20 hits allowed. Hmm. Uh, now, I think, just to guess, I think um, this person has had more road starts than home starts um, in that period. Um and does has been striking out a lot of batters in his starts. Uh, I'm going to say those are Aaron Nola's numbers. You've got one. You are one for two. Yes, in the four starts since his uh, complete game shutout of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Nola, he had one start against Milwaukee where he went six without one earned run. Uh, but we've got the Colorado game, seven innings, four earned runs. Uh, against St. Louis in St. Louis, six innings, three earned runs, and then yeah, that Atlanta game where he went just four innings, allowing five earned runs. So, um, not exactly what you want to see out of your ace, um, you know, especially in four starts there. Uh, but again, just uh, you know, worth noting a trend for for these guys, and you know, going to to uh, Toronto and then uh, coming home after that, perhaps he can uh, work himself out of this funk. Um, and maybe yeah. not having to bat uh, will help him in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, going through his um, his career here, he, he's not a great um, pitcher away from the ballpark. Um, his last great year uh, away from the from Citizens Bank Park was in 2018, where he had an ERA just slightly higher than his home ERA. Um, his home ERA was 234 and his away ERA is 241. Um, 
after that, he's had an ERA uh, in in the fives on the road in 2019. Uh, last year, it was 426 on the road. Uh, and right now, it's in the sixes. Um, so for your quote-unquote ace uh, to have really bad road numbers is not great. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so this next player, uh, these stats are going back to April 28th. This is the uh, series when the Phillies were in St. Louis. Uh, this per- pardon person is hitting this pardon. three. This person is hitting uh, 315 with a 406 on base percentage. By the way, these numbers include today's game. Uh, they are striking out 25% of the time. They have walked seven times, collected 10 RBIs, four home runs. Bob, who is this person? Ooh. Um, and this is going back to what point of the year? Uh, when the Phillies were in St. Louis. Phillies were in St. So Louis. So this is 15 games, including today. Uh, and what is the average in that time of period? 315 average with a 406 on base percentage. 406 on base percentage, 315 average. Um, I think... This, this may be a couple people. I think I'm going to go with Nick Maton. Uh, incorrect on this one. This was Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, really? yeah, going one for three today with a walk. Um, so, yeah, his numbers, he's... Um, That's I, the really reason. Good. Yeah, the reason I picked this specific game, this is the game, um, remember after Colorado, he sat for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, so April 28th when he returned to the lineup, batting fifth. And since then, yes, hitting 315, 406 on base, striking out 25% of the time. Um, but yeah, the big thing, I, three home runs, excuse, or I'm sorry, four home runs in that time, um, and collecting 10 RBIs. So much That's more really of good. the, yeah, much more of the leadoff hitter you want to see um, yeah. and performing well. Yeah, hopefully the numbers, uh, you know, keep uh, in that area and bring his uh, overall average up. Uh, I know last podcast we talked about, uh, and also on the broadcast, McCarthy and Kruk talked about uh, in the Brewer series how he's looked like he had his legs back under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a few home runs in that series. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually happy that I'm wrong in that one because uh, I hope he keeps <laughs> it up. Yeah, well, and, and that's uh, – I think he was actually the reason I wanted to do this game because I knew that his last few games have been much better and that his numbers have been improving. So. That kind of was why that was the catalyst for this game, and um, yeah, just gives you an idea of you know how well he's been playing lately. Uh, so two more players here for you, Bob. Uh, this particular person, since the twenty seventh of April, so again we're going back to the Nicky uh, Morandini, back to the series in St. Louis. Uh, this person has seven and a third innings pitched. They've allowed seven hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Uh, an ERA of zero. No runs allowed in this time. Um, Bob, who is this player? <sighs> okay, this is going to be tough. Can I get a hint of whether he's either a bullpen guy or a starter? Uh, well, yeah. Th- so going back to the St. Louis, uh, just seven and a third innings pitched uh, over seven appearances. So, uh, yes, this is a bullpen player. Um, ooh, this... Uh, bullpen player. I am going to guess uh, because at least in 
through what I've been watching lately, um, he's been better. I'm going to say this is the return of the good Connor Brogdon. I almost chose him, but he had a couple starts in there that, that made the numbers not not so hot. Uh, this is Sam Kubrod. Sam Kubrod. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've talked about him previously on how well he's performed. Um, and yeah, since since that St. Louis series has not allowed a run, um, has come in in several high leverage situations for the Phillies and um, striking out a good number of guys. And yeah, has really really performed well. And I you know I, I thought it was worth recognizing as um, he's becoming a reliable arm out of the bullpen. Yeah, we talked about him uh, last week also, mm-hmm. and and about uh, him possibly. Uh, U.S. if if I see him as a long term setup man, uh, or at least a setup man for the next couple years. Um, in the rest of the season, I said yes, and I I stand by that. Um, he's been sort of a uh, pleasant surprise out of that pen. Absolutely. So one more one more player here, uh, and we're looking back to the start of the Milwaukee series. So this is ten games overall for this player. They have played in all ten games, um, including today. They are hitting one seventy five in those ten games with a two hundred on base percentage. Striking out 35% of the time, uh, just one walk, one home run, and five RBIs. Any guesses as to who this is? Um, you know what? I'm going to go... Oof. I'm going to go with uh, a guy who... I was hoping for better things, and it's still young in the season, and he's still pretty young as well. I'm going to go with our third baseman, Alec Bohm, in this one. I had a feeling that's where you're going, and I have a feeling you are correct. That is Alec Bohm's stats in the last 10 games. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I, I really could have taken his season overall uh, because he has not played particularly well. Uh, but you make a great point. Young player, and that's kind of what I, why I wanted to spotlight him because um, it is somebody who I think certainly has the capability to turn things around. Uh, Girardi talked about him after the game. Uh, and about how, you know, they're they're going to have to work with him and 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 figure out, you know, what's 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 causing this issue. You know, in the field at least, he he still seems to have a good head on his shoulders, and he's making great plays. Yeah, he um, had the weird play where he, the ball, you know, got caught in his mitt and he couldn't make the play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there's been glimpses, I would say, over the last few games, um. When he's hitting the opposite way, that's that's the good outbound, um, which is why I really liked him. He's a guy who can hit to all fields when he's doing really well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's pressing too much. I don't know if it's um, just not recognizing the pitches as well and or pitchers getting more used to him. Um, but uh, Yeah, and, and... – uh, some of it does. He seems to be getting in his own head a little bit, uh, particularly particularly in these last two games against the Nationals. I, I feel like I've noticed it. <clears throat> he struck out three times in that um, Wednesday night game. Uh, struck out, I believe, twice in today's game, and there were a couple times where you saw him getting super frustrated and um, you know, kind of kind of cursing under his breath and um, just looking out of sorts. So. Yeah, you hope that there's enough guys, you know, like Bryce Harper, like JT Romuto, some of these veteran players that can hopefully get in his head and and uh, help him get right and possibly back onto the same uh, numbers he was putting up last year. Um, you know, again, very young and could easily uh, turn things around. 
Uh, so that will do it for the game today, Bob. You uh, you went a solid two for five. That's four hundred, and that would put you in the Hall of Fame. So there we go. Congratulations to you. Um, and I think that'll do it for the podcast as well, Bob. Any uh, any closing thoughts here as we uh, as we wind down? Uh, you know what? I it, it's early in the season. It's, you know, I keep saying that, but um, it's still midway. Um, there is a tough test ahead of us. Uh, us, I think. I think I'm on the team. Um, <laughs> but there's a a tough stretch. We went over for all the next months, uh, and I think this is where we're really going to see um, where this team stands as to, as far as um, future playoff contention. Yeah. Yep. Completely agreed. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a Tough series in Toronto, and then you you invite the Marlins into your home park, and and uh, you know later next week. So uh, I'm super we'll, excited to see uh, more fans. Uh, yeah, and I'm super excited to uh, hear more from Andrew uh, as he goes to the ballpark with uh, more crowds and uh, see how your experience uh, is with actual people in the seats. Yeah, well, I'll be there for the uh, the second game in the Red Sox series, so I'll get an idea of the crowd there. And um, I believe they'll be opening up uh, all season or all um, single game tickets on the twenty fifth. So by then, I will probably have the rest of my season tickets. So we'll see. We'll see how uh, how they handle one hundred percent capacity. I imagine, man, that weekend series against the Yankees, one hundred percent capacity, and the Yankees coming to town, that stadium will be packed for sure. Oh, yeah. So, will be a sight to see and a return to uh, to normalcy. So, thank you everybody who is listening in and interacting with our social media. It is very much appreciated. And until next week, stay cool and go forward.